Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey, it's Ben here, and in addition to this podcast, I also teach Microsoft Excel online. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access to the course. Stay tuned after the episode for a little bit more information as to why it's so important to improve your Excel skills and unlock your inner Excel ninja. Thanks. Hey there, friends of failure. It's uh, Ben Currier here, and I am here with my guest this week, Shara Ruffin. Hey there, Shara. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I am in a tizzy today, but it's a crazy day. But um, I'm glad you joined me, and I'm glad we were able to uh, to connect. Yeah, I'm happy to connect as well. So it's a bit strange of a topic of a podcast, but before we get started with talking about any of the the failures and mistakes and maybe the things you've learned from them, uh, I like to start out with a with a shameless self promotion, humble brag, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> where you can just say all the good things you've done and inflate yourself in case we are deflating you <laughs> a little bit later. Fine. So to everyone that's out there listening, my name is Shara Ruff and I'm a licensed clinical social worker, been in the field of social work for the last 18 years. I have 19 specializations. I specifically coach social workers that pass their board exams. I have my own entrepreneurship company called Journey to Licensure, where I'm working with social workers with my colleagues to help them pass their board exams and then help them get into branding and maybe building their own business. Um, my business was born during a pandemic. It went from me being broken on food stamps and out of a job to building a six-figure um, business uh, within seven months. I also am an Amazon bestseller five times over. So that's a little bit about me. Well, that's quite a lot there in just a little bit of time. <laughs> and I, I I was told, I think, by uh, Troy Holt, my uh, previous guest, that you kind of got started with this because of your failing an exam mm -hmm. to begin with. Is that is that how it started? It did. Yeah, basically. So in social work, a lot of people don't know that we have to take board exams. Now it's at every level of degree. So bachelor level, we take a board exam, master level, we take a board exam. And then two years later, um, if you finish in two years under clinical supervision, you take your clinical advanced boards, which is either in some states called LICSW, licensed independent clinical social worker or LCSW which is L is licensed clinical social worker. So they mean the same thing. They just like look different. Um, but basically it gives you the negotiation power when it comes to your salary, as well as your career opens a lot of doors. And it's kind of like the last thing we need. When I tell people about the licensure, I said, think of a doctor that has their MD, but they need their, their board, medical board. Same thing. Lawyers go through their bar exam. Same thing. Psychologists go through their board exam to be certified as a psychologist as well as most mental health providers. Uh, so social workers, even though we don't get paid as much as we should at some levels, we go through our rigorous licensing process too. It's more so to protect the public when it comes to licensing because we have people's lives in our hands. So that's in a nutshell. Um, with my process specifically, it was pretty jarring. I had 10 year long journey to get my LCSW, my advanced license. Now this thing takes two years to get it. It took me a decade. <laughs> 
a decade, but also I'm reading your right underneath your name there. It says uh, LCSW, QCSW, ACSW. Oh, what are all those letters, right? CSW, HCBCTMH. It's crazy. Alphabet soup. That's what that it's is. It's nutty. That's what I call it. It's in the public. It means nothing in the field. Um, all of those credentials just means that I'm nationally certified at a national level for my contributions to the field. So clinical social work, which is the qualified QCSW, you have BCTMH, which means um, board certified telemental health provider if I wanted to do uh, mental health or if I wanted to teach people how to do telemental health practice, which is important during the pandemic, I could on a national level. Um, ACSW is Academy of Clinical Social Work. It just means leadership in the field at a national level. And then you have C hyphen SVHC, which means certified social worker in healthcare, which is just means I've contributed very heavily to the field in healthcare. So anyway, to the general public, it means nothing. So, but to people in my field, it just means that I'm highly qualified. That's it. That's all yeah. you need to know. Well, I'm curious, just for people who have no idea what social work even is, could you give them like the basic version of what you do? Yeah, so here's the basic version of social work. So most people think of us as taking away children. That's actually what I thought when I transferred to social work was, we just work in child welfare and we just take away kids. And there's more to the field than just child welfare. You have people in the field that contribute in different ways. You, there's professors, you can work academically, you can actually work in the government, you can work in leadership positions, advocacy, you can become a politician. There are plenty of social workers that are. Um, so our field is very, very vast. So on a fundamental level, social workers to me are the backbone of society. They contribute, they do the dirty work that not everybody wants to do when it comes to um, really looking at helping families, individuals, and you know, really help them move along in terms of their well-being and their overall functioning. So that's what I'll say. We do a lot more than taking away kids. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we're also therapists We're you know, we work in the field as mental health providers, we work in hospitals. So you'll find us all over the place, not just case management. <laughs> so that, that sounds intense. And so you said it took you two, wait, two decades. It took me, <laughs> it took me 10, it took me a decade. So what happened, oh, really, okay, I'll, go, I'll go with it. So what happened was I graduated from Howard university school of social work in DC in 2010. And I was going to take my license right away, but then life happened, met a guy and <laughs> we get engaged and all of that. And then I ended up taking my first exam in 2011. I missed it by three points. I take wow. it eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, great. You know, I'm working and I'm just like, this is maybe I don't need this thing. And at the time they weren't pushing licensure the way they are now. So I got away with two years of not having a license. And then 2013 hits. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should try this again because it would give me more money in my salary because I wasn't making any money without it. So then I get the license. I pass it in D.C. 2013. I think it was around May. And I start working in the field. I get married, lose my first child. I have a stillborn daughter when my husband is deployed in Afghanistan. He comes back. He has PTC because his first tour in 26 years that he has to be in a war-torn country. We end up having a second child. And then we go through a bad divorce and it was just a mess for a couple of years while trying to work in a psych hospital for about seven years, uh, which was hard because being in a uh, hospital, you have to be on call all the time. You have, and I had a child that was medically compromised. My son, who's now going on eight in a couple months, when he was born, he was born with a um, kidney abnormality. And the doctor said he may not make it. And now he's, of course, 
almost seven, eight years old. He's very healthy. But back then, if he got sick or I would literally have to travel two, three hours from the psych hospital in Northeast Philadelphia all the way back to West Philly. And I didn't have a car. I was taking a train hour and a half to two. And then I was taking a bus to get to work every single day. I did this for six to seven years on top of having continuously paperwork, stressful job, covering different caseloads on top of my own. Um, my psychotic patients didn't dealing with suicidality. It was a high stress level job. Um, mm -hmm. So by the time I got to the end of it, I was pretty burned out. On top of that, one of the things I will say for people that don't know about getting your clinical license, you have to be supervised for a certain amount of time before you even get qualified to sit for that exam. So I went, my job would have every boss that we ever had, they would leave every year. That kind of sets me back in how many hours I need to collect. So every year we had a different supervisor. And then when I decided to go for my clinical boards, this was 2019, I had to fly down to one of my old supervisors to have her sign off on my hours on the beach because my my Pennsylvania boy said, hey, we can't, you know, you, you got to go find your supervisor and have them sign off if you want to get this license done. So it was hell and high water, basically, to track down all these people that I had to get to sign off on my hours, four different supervisors, almost 10 years of working in the field, and then going through um, having a lot of life things happen. And it didn't really turn really bad until after I took my first licensure clinical exam and that was in November 2019. I missed it by two points. I was pretty devastated. I needed 102. I got 100. Um, after that point, I was like, I'm pretty pissed. They give you 90 days to take it again. Um, March of 2020, we're going to take it. Pandemic hits. Mind you, uh, that add injury to insult, my girlfriend, who I coached three weeks after I took my exam, she passes, done, goes into private practice. I'm stuck in, in limbo. I thought you meant passed away, but you meant passed the exam, correct? Passed her exam, yes, yes. And then you said limbo. I was like, yes, what is happening? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> sorry, guys. No, she didn't pass. She didn't die. She passed her exam. Got it. So I, it was kind of like, it, it was surreal because it let me know that I had it. I just was very anxious. So I was going to take it again. Pandemic hits. I'm kind of held in this purgatory. Everything's at a standstill. Everything stops. So for six to seven months, I was pretty depressed. I spent most of my time playing Animal Crossing, my Nintendo Switch or my side, because <laughs> um, I love video games. And I just stayed in the house and I just felt stuck. And when I say stuck, like I was in the pits, I was playing Animal Crossing, I think every day, day and night, um, if I wasn't having excessive migraines for about uh, six or seven hours a day. So that was pretty bad. Um, but I was mostly anxious. There was gun violence. The George Floyd thing was going on. There was a lot of looting at that time in the summer um, of that year of 2020, which I, I can't believe it's been two years we've been in it. But it was exhausting. And then I finally get around to take the exam, of course, uh, preparing for it. But here are three things that I have. I have generalized anxiety disorder, learning disorder, and I have ADHD combined type. Um, I had to fight with my boards to get accommodations. All that means is that they give you extra time or an extra room by yourself for the exam. So I had to fight for that on top of um, having to take medication. Never took meds in my life, ever. Uh -huh. Mind you, I've been a therapist for many years. But there's a stigma there when it comes, especially in the African-American community, when it comes to taking psychotropic medication, even if you are a provider. Because if you're mm -hmm. taking medication, it's like, what's wrong with me? Why do I need to do this to pass a freaking exam? Um, and I took 
uh, ADHD stratera medication, which is a non-stimulant. And for anxiety, I took Lexapro 20 milligrams. And then I also looked into holistic practices that I could use to help me pass. Mindfulness, meditation, exercising, walking, um, literally looking at the ways I could take care of myself while going through this process. I did pass the exam um, after two months of studying straight and passed it the day before we found out who was going to be president, which was pretty exhausting because, you know, everyone was on CNN at that time <laughs> trying to figure out what was happening. And after six hours, I passed it. Um, after that, I was like, well, I'm going to celebrate, but it was too cold and the pandemic was still going on. So I had a glass of wine in the house, but then I got on Clubhouse. I had a mentor, her name's Shanae Murray. She has a million followers on LinkedIn. She was like, you need to get on Clubhouse. Clubhouse in January of 2021 was like hot and popping. I was like, what am I going to do with this? So I was like, fine, I'll get on there. And I start telling them my story, how long it took me to pass my exam. I find other social workers and I create a group. This group grows. When I say it grows, it grows to like three to four hundred people that come to this virtual study group room every Monday night. And that's how my company was born. So I know that was a long story. I'm exhausted just hearing it. Uh, like me, I can't believe living it. It was sounds like it was a lot. And, you know, having three kids to take care of at home and it was just it was a lot. But out of that, I that I learned that that journey wasn't for me. It was for everybody else. Over 152 social workers that I have passed within the past year through my study group in my business so far. I know my journey wasn't in vain. It just mm -hmm. one of those things that it was a lesson many lessons learned that I can now pass on to others. So, yeah. Well, that was a quite a list of challenges that I went through there. Uh, just quite just to um, just let you know where I stand on some of those things. I also take have ADHD. Um, I take Adderall. I have generalized anxiety. So I take Xanax with that, but I used to take Lexapro, what you mentioned. And I, I had a period of time where I called, it Lexapro induced mania because the combination of Lexapro and Xanax. I found oh, yeah. some information online that said that might have been related to that because I was doing crazy stuff during those three months. And then after I was off, it was different. So like weird medication stuff, especially when you're trying to do your life and like get your life together, like you're saying, can be incredibly stressful. And so just like you, I've escaped in the video games. I played over 16,000 matches in Rocket League, which is like a car soccer game, which sounds ridiculous to say that you've spent that much time doing it. So I get what you're saying when you want to escape yeah. into anything else. And it was the only thing I could do, man. I literally played Animal Crossing and that was a hot game back. I mean, you, it was a very hot game during the pandemic. That's all. <laughs> was playing with the to the making these imaginary island talking to these little met i still play it now actually actually still do because i lost my island that's a whole nother story um because i got a new switch and i lost everything all four months of work is gone so that's <laughs> i don't know even know the things where there's like bells and stuff and like all sorts of things that are really valuable I, yeah it's like my have you ever played minecraft uh yeah and no, i mean i've seen animal crossing but i've never actually played it because i don't have a switch oh, so it, it's it's like it's like playing um animal crossing uh, like uh, minecraft or roblox any of those worlds that you've actually got to build mm -hmm. now it takes forever to do it yeah it took me at least five months and i when i tried it when i got a new switch because it came out with a new one the new OLED, the led screen whatever i bought a new one for me and my kiddo and i literally lost all my progress transferring it over and i died so but i did start over but it's not worth it. still that i don't have the time to play it but that's a whole nother 
thing. My son, he loves his, he plays a Switch, not as much as his PS5 though. So he, I think he, he's only seven. So he loves PS5 more. I can barely take care of my dog. So how do you have multiple children and then do anything else with your life? How do you even manage things like that? Or what is the toughest part of what you've gone through? Do you think? I mean, is there like, because I've heard so many things that I would struggle to even process. What was like some of the more difficult pieces, but how did you get through it? I am a spiritual person. I do believe in God. So that was, you know, I prayed a lot, but I think I've always been the type of person to try to find some type of thing to anchor me. Uh, why I'm doing something? Why am I starting something? Um, is it going to be meaningful? I mean, in those dark places where I just felt like I was really depressed, I, my kids kept me going, especially my youngest. I'm like, I know I, I, I got to keep going because I have to do this for them, but I also have to do it for myself. I've worked too hard. Um, so during a pandemic, even though there was a point in time where I felt like I couldn't do nothing but play video games, that was what I needed though. Like I wanted people to really understand that sometimes it's okay to be stuck. Yeah. And people are like, oh, I'm stuck. Sometimes you, you need to be stuck. It ain't easier to figure out where you're trying to go. And so for me, that that time I felt that I was stuck playing video games, doing nothing but cooking. I, I let people on LinkedIn see that. Like I was cooking, playing video games. That's all I could do. Um, was that was real life for me and take care of the kids that's all i could do and i needed that time i think for me allowing myself to be stuck allowing myself to go through the emotions and allowing myself to know that it's okay not to be okay and also because i was so open about it um mm-hmm. especially on linkedin let people know like this is where i'm at um i'm stuck and because people see that shiny profile all the letters rhyming and all this crap and they're like oh she's got it all together and that like pisses me off so i would i <laughs> I end up telling people like, hey, I broke, I'm on food stamps, I lost my insurance. I'm I'm a bad, I'm just a bag of crap right now. This <laughs> is where I'm at. People really responded to that because it lets other people know that it, you know, someone like me who's highly educated can be, you know, just as screwed up, you know, no one's perfect and that's fine. You know, I just, I, it's one of those things for me, I just knew I couldn't stay there. Go through the motions with it, acknowledge what I need to do and move forward that as long as i'm breathing going along that i gotta keep going it, you know mm-hmm. even if i don't know where i'm going that's okay yeah i think i've always been that way though so. I, well so what you're saying is essentially why i did the failure guy thing i call myself the world's number one failure and because to your point i so i have a master's degree in business and i couldn't financially plan my own life even though it's my job so like i felt like a moron pretending to be so qualified or not pretending. I mean, I'm really good at, at Excel and doing, if it's not my money, I can tell people what to do with it. But once it's my own, it's like the rules are out the window because I'm too tapped out on like finance stuff. But my point is like, I was like, can't fake it till I make it or whatever. I, I say, fail it till you nail it is what my slogan is because I cannot like pretend that everything's fine and i don't like the social media highlight like everybody's showing off everything amazing about themselves and hiding the reality because then people think when they're having trouble like you're saying that they're not normal and that they shouldn't be doing that and they shouldn't be having issues and it's like it's an absolute part of life that's just baked into it where you're going to struggle for sure if you especially want to succeed in anything that's challenging yeah and so i think exactly what you're saying is so powerful because people need to hear those stories because when they feel like they're in a rut and even if they're you know they've got what are relatively less 
obstacles ahead of them, it can still seem daunting regardless of how many things there are. Like no, no matter, nobody has it easy really because human life existence is, is just sometimes difficult. And I think it's important yeah. to what, what you're saying is to take time to, to figure out yourself and like what's going on and how can you improve and how long do you have to wait till you can even mentally get around to improving sometimes is part of the challenge. But uh, what you're saying about, you know, your kids getting you through it, I think is important because a lot of times I can't figure out how to convince myself to do things for my own good. I can only do it for someone else. Sometimes I might even have to invent a fictional person that I'm helping out. That's not me just to do my own things. So it's, it's interesting that, you know, you know, having kids, which makes sense. I don't have kids, so I don't know how that would feel. Well, you have a dog. Yeah, that's, that's close to a kid, you know. Yeah. How old's your dog? Uh, he's three and a half now. I got him about a year ago. So I joined Clubhouse April 2021, so like a few months after you did, because um, yeah. I love just distractions, basically, because I the ADHD. Mine's more hyperactive, though, than combined. Um, and so I didn't even know what Clubhouse was in the download, first of all. I just, I just heard about how they marketed it meaning not what it was but like the way they did the invite system no idea what it was so and then i was like blown away how amazing it was to your point like you can just go talk to people and find amazing connections and, and then realize you're not the only one in certain situations or or even the adhd communities on there are fantastic because you feel like you're the only one and people don't talk about some of these mental health issues and then you're in these rooms and you hear people talking about like exactly how you feel and you're like wow okay i'm not so strange anymore or i'm not a weirdo i mean i'm a weirdo but there's plenty of us out there or whatever it is and uh and i think it's important to to have things like that and a lot of people don't don't talk about some of those candid things on certain social medias for sure but clubhouse seems to be one where it's more authentic because it's hard to be on audio and inauthentic for a long time before people catch you <laughs> and figure it out you know i know yeah it's it's a great place um i've I mean, it, it has its moments, though. I mean, you have to be careful. Even I've ran into quite a few imposters on there, but it's one of those things that it's a fun place to connect, though. Um, and the people that you meet, even being able to hang out in rooms, like I was able to be in Oprah's room. Um, I remember when she actually was on there and Elon Musk, when he had a room on there. Mm -hmm. um, a couple, it's just, it's an amazing platform to see where they go with it. So, I'm excited. I'm all for it. I'm actually going to be on there tonight. I actually have a room to do um, tonight. Mondays are usually my busiest times, um, usually, <laughs> when I don't have two kids, besides having kids and three guinea pigs in the house. Um, and then my fiance, it's usually a day where I'm getting ready, prepping for that group, because it's usually like three to 400 people in there. Yeah, it can be draining sometimes. I mean, even so, yeah. I was in a room the other a uh, couple weeks ago, Will Weinbach started. And he, it was like, we're not leaving till Snoop Dogg comes in. And like 16 hours later, Snoop Dogg came into the room finally. And I was on stage and in the room when he came in and stuff. So it's like just weird, all the crazy things that can happen. But, uh, but the social audio stuff has been really cool. And most of the connections I've made have been either through Clubhouse or Clubhouse and branching out into other things. Is that how you met your mentor that you were talking about that, that got you through some of that other stuff? I actually met her through LinkedIn, 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 LinkedIn. Oh, perfect. Yeah. LinkedIn was where I really started. I met her that way. And she's been my one of my mentors ever since. So, yeah, her name is Shanae. Have you been in any of the LinkedIn audio rooms uh, and trying out that yet? I have. Yep. I've been to quite a few. They're not as good because you can't, 
you only have one moderator at a time and it's not, you know, people kind of like raising their hands and stuff, but you can bring people up. But they, I think they got it. It's got a so, so we've been doing all sorts of stuff to make it work to your point. So like only certain people can host rooms, but even when there's a host, only certain people can bring them. The home, the host can bring people up on stage to your point but we're doing stuff where we're like creating back chats that don't exist yet we're doing sign up forms so people can have contact cards and stuff like we're trying to do all these weird like bypasses because we want it to work on linkedin just like you were saying because like so i teach microsoft excel online and so most of my people are probably going to be on linkedin that i want to <laughs> connect with so i'm like i really want them to get it right and so we're like trying to build all these tools to make it work and to your point about meeting your mentor there uh, it can be a, a great platform to to network on and to make connections, especially if you're coming through as an authentic person, not just trying to sell people things. I mean, it, LinkedIn can be annoying when you get messages all the time from people <laughs> trying to do whatever. Yeah. So I appreciate you joining this podcast, considering, you know, I guess it was probably because Troy hooked us up that you would trust me. But um, but he's fantastic and he's such a great networking person. Uh, how did you end up meeting him? Was that through Clubhouse as well or LinkedIn? No, I think it was LinkedIn with Troy. Yeah, I think Troy had been following me for some time. I can't remember exactly how we met, but I, th <laughs> I remember once we got on Clubhouse, I think that's when we linked. Actually mm -hmm. talk to each other, but um, I think we originally met on LinkedIn. Don't quote me though, but I, I <laughs> it's okay. I don't remember most of my life, it seems, because so many things happen, and especially in the pandemic time. It's like it's simultaneously going by so fast and so slow. Like it's like time dilation's strange right now because it, it can speed up and slow down, and you're like, what's even happening? Because because uh, you're stuck usually in your house or you know, doing remote stuff. And especially with kids, I'm sure it's a crazy thing. I, I know my ex had a kid and this is the one who I had during the pandemic, uh, an ex, and then he had to start doing homeschooling. And we're like, oh my Lord, I don't even know what they're teaching math anymore. I don't even know how to do real math because they changed it all. And like, I'm like, how'd the teacher teach you? Cause I can't tell you, I can tell you the answer, but I can't tell you how they're supposed to tell you to do it, you know? So, uh, what's been the struggle with raising three kids i mean it, it must be a challenge uh, yeah one is 15 and she's the girl the other one is 12 and she's on her way to teenage land and then i have my seven-year-old <laughs> so um i mean i mean it's a blended family so i will say that um that my two girls are my stepdaughters and then there's my son who's my biological child um so it's they're not with me as much anymore during the pandemic they were with me all the time like i had them um this man every day <laughs> all three of them homeschooling um three meals a day snacks just um it was a lot and then keeping the house in order it was exhausting um but now um the oldest she's in florida Vermont. she's up here for spring break then the middle child she comes on the weekends every once in a while and then my son he's there all the time so mm -hmm. it's not as bad. We I do have a little bit of a break now, but right now yeah. it's all three of them here since the oldest is on a spring break from Florida. The challenge, I, I mean, I don't have the challenge as much now. I think with my youngest, when it comes to working, it's you know doing LinkedIn live shows and Instagram, and then you know my video content and still seeing clients if he's here. You know, he wants to be in the camera. He wants to give some coaching advice. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to bomb one of my Instagram lives, which they think he's like the cutest thing. And I'm like, no. But, you know, 
it's it's what it is. You kind of just have to go with it. Um, kids will throw a wrench at whatever you try to plan, but I, I don't know. I think at this point, my son is now, he'll be eight. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's at an age where he's, he's more getting into his gaming. He's all electronics, iPad, iPhone. Um, his, he's like, leave me alone. I want to play my game. Don't even bug me. Yeah. Or he's got his headset on. Bobby, you can't come in talking to my friends in Roblox. They're black. Yeah. That's the age he's at. So it's it's a beautiful thing to watch. Like, oh, thank God. No diapers, no baby bottle. No, no. You know, I'm past mm-hmm. all of that. He People want to take him out now. Like, I can say, Jamie, you want to go to the grandma's house? They'll take him. And I'd have some time myself. He, I'm, he's at that age now. But many years ago, I remember totally the opposite. Pushing a stroller um and like three four inches of snow uh mm-hmm. in the middle of the street at like four or five in the morning to go to work um to drop them off before i went to a, yeah. a commute of three hours you know i i remember all of that now to me it's more of a breeze i can he likes to go out we i just took him to go see the batman movie he sat there for three hours to watch it like we can talk about stuff it's it's this is a more of a, yeah. a magic yeah. time for me that i can watch some just grow and I can enjoy him a lot more than when he was a big <laughs> the other two. Yeah. yeah I mean, you get time to spend with them. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse depending on how, how much of a pain some of the kids are, but I mean, like, you know, you get the chance that we usually don't, which is to work from home and be around your kid more. Right. Very much so. Yeah. Jaden, he's now back in school. This is his last year. He will mm-hmm. not, I'm throwing him back in homeschool um, at the end of this year because I hate getting up in the morning. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> That's why we rescheduled twice, probably. <laughs> I can't. So I, yeah, I don't like getting up. So I'm going to, I said, That's it, kiddo. You're going to homeschool. I'm just going to pay your tuition. We're not doing this anymore. Um, not even that, but I like, you know, the pandemic is things are starting to slip kind of tamper down now. And I'm, we're mm-hmm. going to be traveling more. I don't want to have to call the teacher and say, Hey, Jaden's going out of town for a couple of weeks. Like we went to Atlanta a couple of, about three, four weeks ago, and I had called teachers say, hey, we got to go to Atlanta, blah, 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 and just take his work with him. We didn't get a liquor home done when he was there, let me tell you. So, yeah, <laughs> he's going to homeschool at the end of this year. Um, I'm just like, we're done with this. So, well, yeah, I mean, so based on your skills and your qualifications and how much learning you've done, I'm sure you can you can do the homeschooling thing just fine, you know? Yeah, but no, not even that. Like, you talked about that man. Um, it's a it's another beast like they teach like can we, new math or whatever they call it now yeah i'm like can't we just do it the old way why do we have to do it this yeah. way i don't know this <laughs> so but Jaden, he's pretty good at math i have a math learning disorder um he's mm-hmm. pretty good at it but i'm like i don't know what this is yeah well <laughs> I, I mean I, I like i said i teach excel so like a lot of people have either uh, like you're saying a disability or some people are just proud of not being good at math, like not not trying to be good because they're like they're so scared of it because they're just like, you know, this is something that it it's like it brings up so much anxiety for some people um, and even those without disabilities, you know, like those who just um, for some reason can't uh, approach it in the right way. And that's why I like that Excel does a lot of the math for you, you know, you can, if you can learn how to use it and stuff like that. But even just getting people to not be scared of it. Um, can be a challenge sometimes because you know there's no there's no real way to say hey promise i promise you you can learn this uh your or whatever even if it's just a, a software or like you know how to pass this test 
that the many tests that you all have to take they're all four hours long like convincing someone it's doable that's tough i mean how do you even so when someone wants to you know take an exam yeah how do you convince them that they can actually like succeed at this besides is it just your own story and your own struggle i just i always i that's all i have like i Mm -hmm. share um my own struggle my own story um because so many people can relate to it and i think most of the time because i've been vulnerable enough to share it to let people know i'm not perfect um i have a co-founder his name is jaron and he straight up like i took my exam and i passed blah 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 but that's not my so both of us will share a story he took his and passed it me, I would tell people it was a 10 year train wreck. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I let them know that because that's life, right? Yeah. So, letting people know what those struggles are, even if they can't fully relate, they may be able to relate to a piece of it. They may be stuck in a, in a place that they feel, feel like they're by themselves. I know what that feels like. And that's what I yeah. speak to. So, it, I, and then they see the results. I mean, all over my social media pages, people see. Um, how many people pass because of the programs that I've implemented or because of the study group that I've implemented, they see the results and they believe that they can do it. Hence, they come to me for the help. On top of being able to see me on social media every day and receive the support and that continuous encouragement. It, it, it does take some, you know, I do have to put a boundary there because a lot of times people reach out and, you know, I'm exhausted, I'm tired and I'm like, you know, I, that's important too. So that self-care pouring into yourself, just as much you're pouring out. That's part of the balance that I still get a challenge around. Me too. Same exact thing. I mean, not same exact thing. I don't want to say anything like I've experienced the same things, but, but really, um, well with the ADHD stuff and also corporate America and the politics and everything like that, there's, there's a lot of ways where you can feel like you are not, respected or treated well and then at similarly sometimes you think you're indispensable and then i've been told many times oh clearly you're dispensable because i've been gotten rid of um is there any um specific things about failure that you'd like to discuss before we get to some of the more future looking things that aren't um based on your historical things i know you've had a lot of struggles but to people who who are going through struggling times or who just need to hear something from someone like you? Is there thoughts on the importance of learning from your mistakes or failure in general that you want to share before we start talking about like forward-looking stuff? What I would say is um, regarding failure is that there's such a, we we're kind of, I think, conditioned to look at failure as such a negative thing. Um, I know um, I have a, a, I grew up with a militant father who's been in, um, in the Navy for many years, and he put a lot of pressure on um, me growing up. I was the oldest of five kids, so, you know, putting everything right and having the grades, and I think that kind of was like a, a budding point for a lot of my anxiety, and now I was a high achiever, but it cost me a lot in terms of just the anxiety piece. Um, so when you were talking about, you know, what would I say to somebody? that's currently in a place of wallowing in their failure is um it's a learning experience it sucks it hurts it's painful it stings you got to go through that grieving process um you know acknowledging feeling it uh before you move on but when it's um it's kind of cliche if i bring up like the whole if one door doesn't open you know either find a door that will or make your own doors what i'll say um (laughs) so 
I look at failure now, it still sucks because everyone feels that things you know, where none of us are perfect, but it's a learning experience. If you didn't have those failures, they probably wouldn't have landed you where you're sitting at right now, right? So if you talked about those several jobs that um, you no longer were serving the capacity that that employer did, it led you to creating something for yourself that now serves other people, you know? So you're, mm-hmm. you're actually now in, a, in another purpose. So that's kind of how I look at failure now. That it's it's kind of like a, a launch pad. Okay, this didn't work. Thomas Edison in the light bulb, right? I think what light bulb was he on? Like the, the camera was like a, I don't remember what number it was. It was Something like, like eighty to hundred or, or ten thousand. I don't even know. I hear different yeah. things from different people. It was a crazy number. I'm like, man, just think if he would have stopped after just one. Yeah. <laughs> and they say like he found out ten thousand ways, whatever it was that didn't work, and then he finally figured yeah. out the way that did, and. People hate the word failure. I, I didn't realize it until I branded myself with it. But like people won't even like give it a chance sometimes because they're like, I hate They have such negative connotations with the word, which makes sense because it's an, it's roughly a negative word. But what I'm doing, trying to do is take the sting out of it. So being a guest on the show, you get a get out of fail free card. So it's <laughs> similar to the get out of jail free card. But instead of that, you get to get out of failing at something so is there something in your life that you didn't do or would have done if you couldn't fail so like you avoided it because the concept of it to you was like oh i can't i can't do that thing i'm gonna avoid it but if you had this card you'd be like okay fine i'll be an actress or i'll be a whatever or the thing actually i would say i long time ago um i wanted to pursue singing um and i never did when I was a little girl, I used to love their, well, Mariah Carey was one of my, I love her. I don't have her range though. She's a, a soprano on the higher end. It has a whistle registry that is usually unmatched except for Ariana Grande. who's the only other person I know in the world that actually can meet her at a uh, whistle registry that she has. Now I'm kind of going into like musician mode. I used to be a band geek in high school and college. I like it. So <laughs> I played the clarinet, which my, um, my fiance, we were both in actually school band together. That's how we originally met. I played the flute, the piccolo. Never learned how to play any piccolo. Yes. That's a fun one. But I wanted to be a part of choir, but it was like, oh, well, we can't, you know, we don't have enough room. So there's always this thing between band and choir. So um, I end up joining band, but I had no idea how to play an instrument. So I, the flute and piccolo were the first things I learned. I haven't picked one up in, gosh, six, seven years now. I probably still know all of my uh, scales, but it's been a minute. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, I, yeah, I still have a love for like classical music. I love movie music. Like one of my favorite movie composers of man geek mode right now would be John Williams. I have to say right off the bat. Oh yeah. Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> but um, anyway, I kind of went to movie music. Composer. Oh, I love it. But I would probably have to say that that would be my other dream. So singing, being a composer, singing, Nope, singing, composing for mm-hmm. a, either a show or a movie. That would have been my other dream if I had the, if I honed in on the skill set of writing uh, music. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that probably would be two things. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause I've done plenty of karaoke and I thought like I could, I could probably, I mean, I know it's a trainable skill. You can learn how to sing, but, but a lot of people, it's a growth mindset thing. I know if I spend enough time doing it, I could probably learn how to sing. I, I learned how to play guitar when I was 14 
but no matter how many years go by, it doesn't mean I got better at guitar if I don't pick it up and use it anymore. So like yesterday, I just told you I ran in from dog sitting. They had a guitar in the basement, so I was just messing around with it. But uh, I have I don't play that much and I still remember a lot of it. But to, to your point, I probably would have used it for something like that because it's just so cool to be in that, in those, that creative space. And also music is such an influential part of life and can help people in ways that like just talking sometimes can't and it's just cool that you know that's something that you would have pursued because i wouldn't have known that that was something that you had in you especially considering all the other things that you do yeah all the academic i like that (laughs) but yeah that that would probably been it my brother um mark my other my brother underneath me he's uh got just got accepted to columbia university he was actually a post on my linkedin for film Mm -hmm. um so he's going um, he's a, he wants to be a film director. And so I was like, well, you're going to Ivy League school, so I think you're going to be fine. But <laughs> so he got accepted a couple of weeks ago. I'm really excited for him because we, we share a lot of um, interest when it comes to movie music and seeing some of the things that he's been able to do. He transferred from community college to Columbia, um, which is very impressive uh, mm-hmm. for him. So I'm, you know, I may not be composing music, but I definitely will be supporting his ventures of being a film um i'm very excited for him so he'll be leaving leaving the nest um soon Uh and well you can live vicariously at least i will live vicariously through him uh (laughs) that's all i can do but (laughs) and and then before we get to where people can go find you or the best places to to reach you what's the next thing you're going to fail at or the next thing that you're going to try that you're not sure it's going to succeed probably youtube and podcasting nice (laughs) Well, okay. so first of all, you're guesting. Keep doing that for a while because it's so painful to do the editing and do the like put it out in the world. Hearing that, I'm just like, oh, I might just end up hiring somebody to do the, you know, the editing part. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I just don't. I rather, I, I'm sorry, I rather hire someone else to do that than me do it myself. <laughs> yes, it's nice to own your content. So you would do that if you had your own podcast, which is nice. But also the guesting thing. There's nothing wrong with being a, a like a basically professional podcast guest because the hosts need that i mean people need both sides are needed so i think it's a it's something cool that you're going to be getting into you said youtube as well so you're going to be doing more yeah i'm going to add youtube to to my restream so lately i mean linkedin i had since december but i didn't start using linkedin until like three weeks ago um LinkedIn Live, actually. So I started because I was like scared. I don't know why. I know. It's scary. Um, I, I've been doing video forever. I was doing video for like two, three times a day for a whole year. Now it's two years now. But I, I just never thought about it. And I was like, well, let me start doing LinkedIn Live. And I barely do videos anymore. I just do lives every day. Mm-hmm. I'll go live for like maybe 15, 20 minutes. Before I know it, 20, 20 minutes have went past me doing but the reach is crazy like between linkedin live i'll do um twitter and i'll do my facebook um, company page at the same time the the just the leads is mm-hmm. is amazing the reach that you get um and then I, if i add to youtube which a lot of my company like competitors are there um i can only imagine what will happen if i just start there so start streaming I uh, really honestly wasn't even comfortable being on camera until I grew a beard. This happened. There's a <laughs> pandemic beard and I look like an asshole. <laughs> Literally. I mean, I, I look like an idiot without a beard and I didn't feel comfortable being on TV. I mean, sorry, on, on any kind of a, you know, video platform. And now I'm getting more comfortable with it, but really it takes just 
it's like exposure therapy. You got to just do enough of it and get used to it and then realize that people want to hear from you. And so I'm glad that you're, you're going forward with it and, and branching out into new areas and things that, and I, even me, I thought LinkedIn, I've been on LinkedIn forever, but with the audio piece, because of the clubhouse connection, I was like, Oh, I really should start using it more. And it's like, it seems so boring LinkedIn for the longest time. And now it seems like they're trying actually to get some stuff going, you know? So I want to be part of that community. Hey, what's up, Jaden? <laughs> okay, honey, what's wrong? Oh, okay. You're right. You had an accident. Okay. You're okay. Happens to the best of us. Yeah, he, yeah, he does. Well, on that note, that probably says that my time of podcasting is over. <laughs> <laughs> so what where where can people go to find you before you you go help you sure it's uh yep help my little one so yeah nonetheless you can find me on linkedin all the time i live there you can find me on instagram because i live there too you can find me on twitter and you can also find me on clubhouse sounds great and feel free to message me any of this later and i'll make sure to put it all in the show notes and figure out the no best problem. ways to contact you but thank you so much for being on here and being vulnerable yeah, no and sharing your story i i love it and uh, i can't wait for the listeners to hear it thank you would you like to be more efficient productive and confident in your work at the office over 750 million people worldwide use excel yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool that's why i created excel exposure so you can work smarter and not harder the excel essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons Plus, it comes along with my master workbook, which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.